What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 52, and we'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode Past and Present. And speaking of presents, you can find us on Google Play Podcasts and on Spotify Podcasts (laughs) and on Apple Podcasts. And when you find us there or when you tell your friends to find us there on Apple Podcasts, you can rate and review us and give us five star ratings. And uh, I, I need to make a better note to myself to take a look to see if there are reviews because I'm only now remembering that we said that we would do a dramatic recreation. So uh, if yep. you leave a review, I have promised that we'll do a dramatic recreation. It might not and be good. I am looking right now as you talked because I remembered right. that just as you were going. So And uh, we do not have any additional reviews. I think there was an additional rating. Uh, oh, but, good. Uh, uh, which is great. We love the star ratings. And Absolutely. we love the reviews, so uh, go ahead and uh, put those onto uh, Apple Podcasts, and we yes. will dramatically read them. Yes, uh, and then again, the offer is out if you have figured out a way within Google Play Podcasts or a Spotify podca- Podcasts to provide any kind of feedback mechanism, then let us know, because we, we've kind of lost our way on that one. Um, maybe they just don't care. Maybe they're confident in their algorithms. That, that, that's entirely possible. It's Google going, I know what you want. You, you don't know what you want. I, I know what you want. You know what? Apple used to do that, and Apple doesn't do that as much. <laughs> and now Google is doing that. Yeah, that's a good point. I forgot, like the genius playlist and things. Yeah. I forgot about that. Anyway, Zach, uh, if somebody figures out how the feedback mechanism works within Google Play Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts, uh, how, would they, how would they let us know that? Uh, well, you could go to Facebook and just post it on the Facebook group. We have a Walking Through the Stargate Facebook group. Mm-hmm. You could follow us on Twitter and message us on Twitter or, or something on Twitter or whatever you do on Twitter, at Stargate Walking. Um, by the way, Brent, we have gotten several uh, shout-outs from various folks uh, in the Stargate realm, uh, which is really kind of cool. On yeah. Twitter. So mm-hmm. uh, that's cool. Or... You could email us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. That is W-A-L-K-I-N-G-T-H-R-O-U-G-H-E-T-H-E-S-T-A-R-G-A-T-E at gmail.com. Switching it up on me? Like yep. uh, just deciding to go for the slow pitch? Yeah. Just to just to make me swing a little early? Yep. Oh, you yep. got me. Yep. 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 Next time we'll try a curve, man. I don't know what no. that means. Uh, maybe but, you switch the words up. Ooh, I'll do it backwards. Oh, Okay, please. Next time. Okay. All right. Next week. Next time. Uh, I better make so, uh, a note so, of that if I'm going to actually yeah, I know. do <laughs> Do it backwards. <laughs> um, yeah. Awesome. So uh, uh, speaking of the speaking of the shout outs that have happened. Uh, so there was a really um, there was a great article talking about the fandom of Stargate uh, that was posted on GateWorld. Um, Jacqueline. Oh, what's your last name? I forgot your last name. Um, uh uh, a listener to the show wrote it and was mentioning our podcast, uh, the Chevron's Lock podcast. I think the Gate World podcast as well, um, and uh, or Gatecast. I can't remember. Um, but anyway, that was a really, really awesome little shout out. Thank you so much. Uh, and uh, lots of people ended up finding out about our little podcast. So if you're a new listener, welcome. Thank you for stopping by. This is our little corner of the internet. I imagine that if you are a new listener, you probably have been a new listener for a while because you're going through a back catalog right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> so hey, uh, I, I now acknowledge you. Hello. Um, and 
uh, yeah, so that was a lot of fun. And I also noticed that there was a, a healthy amount of little chatter on the Facebook side of things, but I also kind of caught wind that there might have been conversations that I should not be privy to, so I stayed away. So Yeah, well, I... The, the conversation that I remember most, although we did have some other chatter on there, um, mm-hmm. has to do with the Stargate Command and Stargate Command app. I assume you've heard this information, Oh, Brent. boy, yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy, yeah. So mm-hmm. those of you who have been listening or watching Stargate through the Stargate Command app uh, or their website presence and such, well, that is coming to an end as soon as their subscriptions come to an end, which... I don't know exactly exactly when that is. I went through the FAQ, big guy, because it directly affects my ability to enjoy the Stargate content. And uh, what it is is that on December 31st, so in a mere two months, they are going to shut the door on the entirety of the Stargate Command website. Um, or maybe better said, uh, there might be a Stargate Command website, but it's not going to have uh, any media on it at all. At all. They are shifting some of their original content um well, no, all of it's technically original. They're shifting some of the like fan shows or or the the the, the more recent content that they're creating over to YouTube, uh, and they have already started to make that transition. I imagine what that means is that every single thing that is new from here to the end of December is going to be on YouTube and not on Stargate Command. But more importantly to me, uh, the Stargate episodes are uh, there is no plan to move those over to YouTube, and so when the doors shut, I will be uh, finding other ways to watch it. Now, good news: there are plenty of other ways to watch it. Um, ages ago, I was saying things like I kind of like to get a little bit closer to the content creators when it comes to handing over money. Um, I was thinking about it this morning and realizing, well, remembering that the likelihood that the show writers and the actors and the directors are getting anything more of a cut if I buy it through Stargate Command versus if I buy it through, say, Amazon, I really doubt it. Like, I highly doubt that the creators and the actors are getting any more of a cut. So, um, you know, maybe it is better for me to be buying it through a reseller because it gives more people the opportunity to make a dime off the thing. But, um, uh, Anyway, so it it's uh, it's kind of a weird little weird little thing that just happened. So yeah, we'll deal. Um, you know, it is worth noting that uh, at least in the United States, uh, Amazon Prime does have all ten seasons of SG One yeah. available. Hulu um, does too, apparently. Yes. And I was also kind of looking around to see what kind of purchase options exist, and. Um, you know, I'll I'll freely admit to being an Apple fanboy and in the Apple system pretty deeply, but uh, I think the only thing they have is the box set. So you know, all ten seasons, um, which might be a worthwhile thing. It's one of those things that I don't I don't anticipate me regretting that decision, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm enjoying the show. I want to watch it through the end. Um, but there's a piece of me that's like, no, nah, no, nah, dude, just like buy it season by season, right? Like you know, just. That way, if something happens and you get to season six and it's like the worst thing ever and, and you end up like uh, hating Zach for the first time ever and like, you know, you're done. We're done with the show. Uh, then at least I'm not out uh, the the hundred bucks that it is for the box set. Um, but on the other hand, it's like, do I actually think that's going to happen? No, yeah. I don't think that's going to well, happen at all. <laughs> so, you know, I was just looking on Amazon right now. I just looked it up right now. You can yeah. get on Amazon, at least in the U.S., the complete series of Stargate SG-1 uh, DVD set, plus Arc of Truth and Continuum, which are the two movies that came out uh, following season 10, uh, all for $102.33 as of right now. 
Uh, but um, then I'd have physical media, Zach. I know. Yeah. <laughs> physical media. Now, the Ugh. upside of this, Brent, though, is that yeah. starting in season four, most, oh, yeah. if not yeah. all of the episodes, do come with commentaries on the DVDs. Yeah, and that is not something me. that is available online. You, you and, know me. Like, the, the amount of rewatch that I do of, like, anything is through the floor. Oh, like, yeah, but but this is additional content. I got things to do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm done whining. Okay. Anyway, in any case, it, um, yeah, I think that yeah. it's interesting though that uh, that you know they had just MGM had just done a complete facelift on the Stargate Command app. This was the second year that they were in existence. I finally got my little um, you know charter member patch a few months ago. Um, you know, that it, it is interesting that they have made this decision. I think that what it just reading the tea leaves, reading the tea leaves, being brand new to the fandom and having a bit of like old man experience with Internet stuff. I betcha that they were recognizing that they were getting more views on their new content than their back catalog um, and that they were getting in people's way to observe that new content, aka unable to monetize it by having it behind a paywall, right? Like I bet mm-hmm. you that the that they that they had set the thing up because they were like, yeah, so we're gonna put all the Stargate content in there, and so that attracted people like me, um, and we're gonna create new stuff for the people that have seen the show a hundred times, and people will pay money for that thing, and it's and it was vaguely true. And somebody did a little bit of research and said, you know what, actually, people are really watching the new stuff a lot. And we're getting chatter that they want to have more access. They're they're kind of frustrated that it's behind a paywall. So let's basically drop the back catalog and only focus on the new stuff and put it on whatever. You know, like it was a business decision, which. Well, also, um, very few times do you get a dedicated universe like this under a pay behind a paywall that actually succeeds. The uh, um, good point. You are uh, right. You know, so the idea sounded great, but I don't think. I mean, it it, it didn't work for. It hasn't worked for Star Trek in any iteration therein. It hasn't worked for Star Wars. Um, you know, it does. It, that kind of thing doesn't ultimately last long term. Um, I bet you that the Disney Plus thing is going to work, but only by virtue of the sheer volume of content sure disney plus though is uh i mean it's not a single franchise there you know you're not focusing on technically just right. you know right disney plus includes marvel includes star wars it includes right. da, 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 you know over and over right. you know uh so there's a lot more there beyond just uh, one particular just fandom. one thing yeah. um so anyway uh anyway, here we go we lament we that but uh we press on we press on, man. Because we don't let these types of things stop us. all we can do. That's right. And with that, shall we press on with past and present? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So this episode is directed by William Garrity. This is his mm-hmm. second and his last episode this season. Mm, okay. uh, we did see him with Rules of Engagement. Mm-hmm. Um, the last mm-hmm. time we saw Apophis as a uh, hologram in that one. Listen to the words of the person who has my hologram, because this yes. is a totally secure method to exert power. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Garrity has six more episodes that he's directed throughout the series following this. 
And if you want to know more about William Garrity, then go to our back catalog because I'll talk about that in future in past episodes. Our back catalog, uh, which which we won't put uh, which we won't put up on YouTube. Whatever. Now I was kind of trying to make a joke about the current Stargate Command situation. Didn't work. I'm just gonna no, let that one go. No, that's no, okay. It's okay. It's there. Yeah, it's there. Okay. You know, um, you know, maybe we maybe we should put all of our back catalog on YouTube because that's what people do now. <laughs> Okay. It'd be really compelling video. (laughs) (laughs) Watch a black screen. Right? Uh, Anyway. All right. The teleplay for past and president. President? President. Past Past and president. Present uh, was by Tor Alexander Valenza. Mm -hmm. This is his second of three writing credits this season. He's got one more coming up. Uh, He did write Legacy. Um, That's when we met. Michello again. Yep. Um, so uh, we have quite a number of guest actors in this one to talk about. We've got uh, Megan Leitch, Leitch, uh, L-E-I-T-C-H. Probably she plays Kira Leitch. or mm-hmm. Linnea. She mm-hmm. was born in 65 in Vancouver, British Columbia. Uh, she's known for X-Men Evolution, Stargate SG-1 here. And uh, the X Files in '93. She's a per- perhaps best known then for that '93 role as Samantha Mulder, the younger sister of Fox Mulder, who was hmm. abducted by aliens. Mm-hmm. Uh, her first acting credit, according to IMDb, is the 1990 TV miniseries It, where she plays hmm. a librarian. Uh huh. And we will see her again in an episode of Stargate Atlantis, although it is not the same character. Totally different gotcha. character. Uh, we've got Maria Delver. She plays Mayris or Leal. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was born in 74 in Melford, Saskatchewan, Canada. Mm-hmm. She's mm-hmm. Uh, known for this, better, no- better Than Chocolate in 99, and The Last Wedding in 2001. Her career began with an uncredited appearance in the TV series Millennium way back in 1997. Mm-hmm. Okay. And finally, we have Jason Gray Stanford, who plays Orner or Nodal. Uh, he was born in 1970 in Vancouver, British Columbia. Mm-hmm. He is probably best known for his character and his work on the TV show Monk, where he mm-hmm. had a uh, lead character uh, for that show. And I don't haven't watched enough Monk, so I couldn't tell you what his yeah, name is in that me. show. Um, but uh, he's in all, however many seasons of that. Uh, he was also in A Beautiful Mind mm-hmm. in 2001 and Flags of Our Fathers in 2006. He definitely looked familiar, and I think it was probably a beautiful mind that I was oh, that could r- be. recalling him that from. Could be. Yeah. Yep. Uh, his first credit, according to IMDb, was in 1986 doing voice work. Uh, he was the voice of Yusaku Godai in Meisan Ikoku. Hmm. Uh, that's an anime. T- I was curious about what that was. It's an anime mm-hmm. TV series that ran for three series in 86 through 88. Mm-hmm. And according to IMDb, their description is the misadventures of a young student and his landlady's romance. Uh oh. Okay. Okay. So uh-huh. there you go. Mm-hmm. I didn't do any more research <laughs> than that. I just wanted to throw that out there and let that sit yeah. there for for you just, to imagine. Just uh, you know, paying the rent. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is his only Stargate appearance. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So 
Uh, this episode originally aired on October 15, 1999, so 20 years and approximately two and a half weeks from this yeah. day as we record it. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one on the charts on October 15, 99 was Heartbreaker by Mariah Carey, mm-hmm. uh, and Genie in a Bottle in the UK by Christina Aguilera. Yep. Okie dokie. Uh, Okie dokie. Now, in the box office for this week, we cannot talk about the first ep- first movie uh, this week because Why? you don't talk about this kind of movie hmm? because it's Fight Club. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah! First rule. Brent. First rule. First rule. First about rule Fight Club. of you know box office movies is you don't talk about the number one box office movie. So you know, moving along. Moving along. Okay. Number two is Double Jeopardy. Number three, The Story of Us. (laughs) Number four, Three Kings. And number five, American Beauty. Yep. 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 So, around this time in 1999, what was happening? Well, a couple Mm -hmm. of days before this episode aired, on October 12th, the six billionth person in the world, according to the UN, is born in Sarajevo, Bosnia and Herzegovina. I, 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 sometimes I forget about those like corny international political moments, right? Okay. Where what they really were doing is that they were saying, yeah, we estimate that the world population is 6 billion, right? Which is a, which is a monumentous number. Right. And it being 99 and Bosnia and Herzegovina's conflict, uh, being just what, six years prior or whatever, you know, let's arbitrarily declare <laughs> that this person <laughs> was born in Sarajevo. Um, Anyway, I'm rolling my eyes, but, you know, I'm sure That's it was a beautiful fair. moment. Um, well, this next little uh, tidbit will uh, fit you quite well. Yeah. Apparently, and this is the first time I knew about this, and I'm really sad that I have gone my entire life without knowing this, but October 15th is mm. National Grouch Day. <laughs> this is a Sesame Street-inspired holiday that has been okay. celebrated since at least 1976, which means it what? has been celebrated for all of your life and my life, and oh my I gosh. don't know about this well, until now. Well, now I do. I'm going to put it in my calendar, October 15th. I'm going to have to do that, too. October 15th is oh. National Grouch Day. <sighs> Doing that right now. All right. You keep going. All right, so also on the 15th, the National Rugby League, or the NRL, I, uh, I think it's N- National, I'm guessing, NRL, anyways, rugby, they excluded a number of teams from the Australian NRL Rugby League uh, because of, as a result of the Super League War. So if you know anything about the Super League <laughs> War in rugby, uh, uh-huh. there you go. <laughs> Uh, sure. I don't know. Sure. Diddly squat about the Super League. Yep. Yep. Or the Super whatever. Okay. Are we ready? Yes. All right. Also on October 15th, the National Geographic Society reveals the fossil of an archaeoraptor in a press conference on October 15, Mm -hmm. 1999. Mm -hmm. However, it is later found to be a forgery. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, yeah. And then one day later on October 16th in Southern California, there is an earthquake of a magnitude 7.1. Uh, fortunately, there are very few injuries and only light damage. Okay. So that is what was happening around the episode past and present. Mm-hmm. 
So, a uh, mm-hmm. couple trivia facts. This, mm-hmm. uh, the idea of this episode's plot bears a subtle similarity to the Japanese anime series The Big O. And other than oh, extrapolating yeah. from this series to that, I couldn't say anything more about The Big O. Um, have you seen The Big O? No. That's it's, why I can't uh, say anything more about it. Season, it's, I think if I remember right, there's two seasons. Season one is a pretty darn good story. Season two gets real trippy. Um, and it's there's an awful lot of like Batman elements to it, like a lot. And yeah, there is, I forgot about the amnesia thing. Yeah. Anyway. All right. It's, it's, it's worth, it's worth watching. And also the theme song is hilarious. Cool. Just saying. Well, if I ever get a chance to, to go for the big O, then we'll do that. Okay. Uh, the disease that the Vians who live through the Vorlix are suffering from is called systemic retrograde amnesia. So, so there it's you a, go. It, it's it's systemic and it's retrograde <laughs> and it's, it's amnesia. Yeah. <laughs> did, yep. did I get it? Did I capture it? You have nailed it on the head. Okay. Good. Okay. And as I was reading through the illustrated companion uh, for this episode, I learned a couple of things. Um, one, uh, Shanks was not very pleased with the order of this episode. Uh, while mm-hmm. he liked a lot of parts of this episode, he thought having this follow immediately after Forever in a Day yes. was just a really weird place to put it. Yes. Um, Where's my bell? Ding, ding, yeah. ding. That is correct. Yep. I agree. And, and, and I was making comments about that, too. Uh, part of that had to do with the fact that there were some rewrites that needed to happen with this script. Uh, it was originally supposed to be filmed prior to Forever in a Day, um, but with that, it was delayed and you know things get pushed back. That's you know, well, if it was supposed to, if it was supposed to air prior to Forever in a Day, then that, then that scene in the middle is even worse. Well, yeah, uh, I, I'm guessing that some of that was part of the rewrites because that scene would not work well prior to Forever in a Day. Uh, I think this would have played w- very nicely, uh, time-wise, related to that one in in two or three episodes. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Okay. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But to have it following right afterwards. Immediately. Bit, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, uh, Jonathan Glasner uh, always knew that he wanted to return to the character of Linnea, uh, but they needed to go with a different actress for a couple of reasons. One, they didn't think they could get Bonnie Bartlett, who played Linnea in the original episode. Mm-hmm. Um and two, they weren't certainly actually wanted her back because they wanted to make it a surprise that it was Linnea. So there you right, go. Right, 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 right. And then finally, as I look through the titles of this episode in other languages, the only thing that's notable is that in French, this episode is called The Forgotten Past. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. So, so there you go. Yep. There you um, go. And, of course, there were a couple of goofs here or there, but nothing terribly big other than uh, the one I'll highlight here is that Kira tells us that the uh, industry on Vias has come to a standstill, but all of the shots of the place outdoors has all of the factories steadily spewing smoke out and and all of this stuff. There's some some timeline weirdness in here um, because if, if the... Industry has come to a standstill. That makes sense with all of this to a certain degree. However, uh, apparently the Vorlix happened ballpark a year ago or so. And yet they're also talking about really concerned about what's going to happen in winter. Um, 
when does winter yeah. occur? Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, there there are some timeline yeah. question marks. Um, but there there's a go. little bit of retcon that you could probably do, but I also. I'll I'll tip my hand a little. There was definitely more than a few moments where my brows furrowed a little, and then it it had to do with a little bit of things like that, where where there were some some inconsistencies that were being introduced within the within the story. Yep. And I was hoping that these things would be resolved. And by you know we'll we'll talk about it. All right. Well, shall we get to the synopsis then? Yes. Let's do it. Okay. SG-1 arrives through the Stargate in an alien storage facility. As they ponder where they may be and what kind of place it is, they hear voices. A man and a woman approach, talking about the strange sounds they heard. The two groups meet. Orner and Maris, the man and woman, are amazed that SG-1 has memories that extend back to before the Vorlicks. Apparently, the entire population of the planet is suffering from some form of amnesia. They have no recollection of their lives prior to the Vorlicks approximately one year ago. Additionally, there are no children around, nor are there any elders, although they do have pictures of the elders. Orner takes SG-1 to meet an important member of the transitional government named Kira, who is not only a political leader, she is also skilled in herbal medicine and science. Kira immediately looks at SG-1 as a group who may be able to help them regain their memories. She takes them to the main library and explains that their society is unstable and badly compromised because of the Vorlicks. When she discovers that they travel to Vias via the Stargate, she produces a notebook made by a scientist prior to the Vorlicks, which mentions a visitor who came to the planet from beyond the stars. The visitor is described as something of an apothecary, and was called Linnea. SG-1 immediately recognizes that name. Linnea, the destroyer of worlds, the one who helped them escape prison unjustly, the one who was imprisoned justly, the one who used them to escape herself, the one who stole information from them on the Stargate, the one who, well, you get the idea. (laughs) SG-1 suspects that Linnea somehow caused the Vorlicks and that they now bear some of the responsibility. Oh, and through this whole scene, we see Kira and Daniel flirting, and O'Neill and the rest of the team notice. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Frazier makes a house call and does some preliminary tests. She determines that in order to get the answers they need to actually fix this problem, they'll need to return to the SGC with some volunteers. So Kira, Orner, and Mayris return with the team to Earth. Kira helps Janet and Sam study the problem, and they discover that this catastrophic event was related to an insecticide called Dargal. Dargal had built up in the planet's food chain over the decades with some significant negative consequences, notably infertility. The lack of fertility of the people begins to explain why there were no children on Vias, though it does not explain where the elders went. Oh, Daniel escorts Kira to her room on the base. Inside, Kira tries to kiss Daniel. Physical contact has, of course, become taboo on Vias because no one wants to find out they made a mistake once their memories return. Daniel resists. He's still dealing with the loss of his wife, but then he relents and kisses her in return. And we won't speculate what happens next. No, there's just a camera. We know exactly what happens. The world gets fuzzy. 
and then oh, it and then yes. it and then it and then it's and then it cuts to a different scene. That's what happens. Oh yes, naturally, naturally. Yeah. As the problem is studied further, the team discovers that some discovers some of Linnea's notes. Linnea discovered that a derivative of Dargal had the potential of uh, had the potential to prevent aging and or restore youth. Linnea's lack of deliberative process, jumping faster than she should have, uh, caused this societal catastrophe. The elders aren't missing on Vias. The young people are the elders, all of them having their youth restored. The amnesia was, quote, simply an (laughs) unintended side effect. Their suspicions aroused, the SGC runs a DNA test on Kira, comparing it with the DNA taken from Linnea. The two samples match. Kira is Linnea. Linnea is Kira. (laughs) Alarmed, SGC personnel begin to take steps to limit Kira's access to anything dangerous. Unfortunately, Dr. Frazier realizes that she will be unable to synthesize an antidote for the Vorlux without Kira's expertise. Jackson argues that Linnea and Kira are not the same person. If Kira never takes the antidote, and with reasonable precautions, there's no reason she couldn't help them and assist them in actually finding the antidote. General Hammond is persuaded and allows Kira to continue assisting Dr. Frazier. They come up with a potential antidote. Kira wants to try it on herself because she doesn't want anyone else to be hurt by it. But this is not an option, and so Orner volunteers. Unfortunately, this first attempt doesn't work, and Orner nearly dies. Immediately, Kira believes she knows what she did wrong and wants to make another attempt right away. But Frazier refuses. She wants to take some time watching how Orner reacts and making sure that he's okay. Kira begins to notice the way the SGC personnel have changed their behavior around her. She begins to suspect her true identity and confronts Daniel. Daniel acknowledges the truth to her, but tries to convince her that her past doesn't have to dictate her present. After some tweaking of the antidote and some tests, the team is ready to try again. This time, they are successful. Orner remembers. His name is Nodal, and he's married to Leal, a.k.a. Mayris, not Kira. But Kira needs to know the truth. She steals a small amount of the antidote and regains her own memories. Horrified by the memories and the heartless personality she had prior to the Vorlix, she attempts to kill herself. But Dr. Jackson recognizes what's happening to Kira. He finds her and stops her just in time. He offers her another option. She could just forget. Kira takes another dose of the Dargal derivative, causing her to lose her memories once again. The Vians take her back to Vias, offering her a new home and a new life. The end. The end. So, Brent. Yeah. Past and present. Uh-huh. What'd you think? Yeah. So, um, I had mentioned that there was a couple of parts in the story which kind of caused my eyebrows to furrow because it the 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 details were kind of peculiar. Um and to be perfectly honest, I don't really deeply recall what those confusing points were because um after i had watched this episode well maybe let's put say it a little bit better let's 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 uh let's confound the timeline a little kind of like this show did um the <laughs> the um you know as i was watching it at the very beginning there were definitely some elements that i was like that's a little confusing and that one doesn't quite make sense and wait a minute okay so we got a lot of things going on here like 
and trying to keep it straight, which wasn't rocket science trying to keep it straight. It was just, you know, there was there was a few things going on. Where are the elders? Where are the children? What's going on with the amnesia? Who is this person? You know, like where'd Linnea go, et cetera. Right. Um, and then um, like the middle third pivots pretty quickly into, uh, you know, that this is Linnea. This is actually Linnea. And um, the the appropriateness for using a certified homicidal maniac as a resource to find a way to create a better good for uh, an entire planet's worth of people. And that's when I kind of started to not pay so close of attention to some of the details that were a little not necessarily confusing, but you know, I started to shift what I was actually paying attention to. I started to to stop thinking so much about um, the detective case of what happened, how did it happen, and how can we reverse it, and now the little process of figuring out how to reverse it, and more into the philosophical questions of what makes a person a person, and what, um, how do we then effectively, how do we judge that person? Um, at any point in time, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's this convenient trope in that this one person uh, is effectively a new person with convenient elements of the old person still around, namely the absolute genius in biochemistry. But um, uh, but for all intents and purposes, Kira is effectively a new person distinct from Linnea. And um, that was a very interesting thought experiment that was starting to go through and i liked how there was a little bit of philosophical play in the writing on that matter and they didn't spend an awful lot of time on it which is fine um they then pivoted into like a little bit more of the pragmatic like what to do next they also kind of touched a little bit on what does it mean for kira to realize that she is this monster um you know there was a lot of little good nuggets here there and everywhere in the thing uh, and then sort of like the, 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 the topper on it is that, um, I found myself kind of brewing on this story, uh, well after having watched it, uh, you know, like kind of coming back to the themes and kind of coming back to the, to the, to the story itself and thinking through it again. And, and, you know, like I was, I was, I was chewing on this one for a little while. And so, you know, it started off with me going, you know, okay, what's going on here? That's kind of a cool set. That's neato. I like the visuals. I like the premise. This is neat. This is fun. Um, there was a moment in the middle when um, Kira and Daniel uh, had a had a fuzzy room moment, and I was right there with um, with Shanks, going, "This is too soon." Like, you know, I I get it, but on the other hand, like, you know, the, 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 this is uh, uh, even he even acknowledges that he just got done losing his wife and. You know, maybe there's a maybe there's a side excuse of like, you know, people under grief do things that other people might not think very appropriate. And, you know, who who knows, whatever. But even still, it felt like a bit of a I don't know. It felt like it definitely advanced the story. So I can't criticize it on that point. Um, Maybe it's this. It was too soon for me. Right. Like, I, I think what I can do is that I can give license to. Daniel Jackson, the character, and perhaps it was not too soon for Daniel Jackson, but it was too soon for me. And the it wasn't superfluous. There, this element indeed did kind of move the story forward and did play into the story through the end. Um, so in that respect, it's not egregious. But on the other hand, like I said, 
a little too soon for me. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, it, it kind of started kind of lumbering along and kind of hit a sluggy point right in the middle. And though at the end, I feel like some of the loose ends were not perfectly resolved. The thing about the kids was that they couldn't find pictures of kids like at all, period. And we later find out that what had happened was that they couldn't have kids for a while. But that doesn't explain why there are no pictures of kids. I mean, like, did they just develop the ability to capture imagery in the past, like, 30 years or whatever, or 50, however long um, of any kind, including drawings like that one was like a right. little like, eh. but well, overall, mean, the big picture concept that, was fine. That they stopped using the Dargle about 20 years ago. Um, right. And so if that's the situation that any pictures of kids are going to be 15 or 20 years old, um, <clears throat> which, you know, I suppose. I could forgive the the writers for for you know shorthand storytelling and saying there are no pictures of kids. Um, when in reality, it says, "Well, we have pictures of kids, but none of the kids are recent." I mean, clearly they have right. pictures of a, of elders who is apparently right. relatively recent, but not kids. Right. But again, so, that when that, that it, it felt like a little. That one feels like a little bit of a of a cheap shot to kind of hang my hat on, right? Like it's like, eh, okay, whatever. Let's move along. The real point of the story was everybody was getting older. There was a chemical compound that suddenly put everybody in a younger state. It causes significant amnesia. But then we get into the actual story, which is what makes a person a person, and should you hold somebody accountable for past actions? And at what point do you not hold them accountable? Right. Which um, was a good. Which is great. And, you know, that's actually worth noting that uh, one of the parts of the Illustrated Companion that I did not read uh, here is just prior to that, uh, Daniel was saying, one of the things that he really liked about this episode is that Daniel has always been the moral center of the show. And Mm -hmm. he's always been uh, portrayed as someone just a little bit naive at times. Where they're like, oh, but come on, we can, you know, totally see it from this other perspective, and that's good. And everybody's like, oh, come on, Daniel, stop being naive. And then, sure enough, it turns out that everybody has to save Daniel from himself. Yeah, Uh, And here we have an episode where Daniel's uh, modus is the same. You know, he's still doing what he's doing and saying, hey, let's look at this from a different perspective. And we have it that in this situation, while they're still being cautious with him and around him and such, he turns out to be well and truly correct. Um, and uh, that's that's kind of a nice little thing there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, totally. It did feel a little... I mean, maybe that's a kind of a piece of it, too, is that it did feel... No, no, it's okay. All right, so here was my original kind of observation. It did feel a little bit out of character for Daniel Jackson to be kind of driving the train in the way that he was, because exactly to the point that you're bringing before. Like, usually when he is being, um, usually when he's bringing a viewpoint that is different from the rest of the group, it's because the rest of the group is being imminently pragmatic, or or maybe better said, they are, they are looking at it, um, they're looking at the problem, and they're trying to solve it in, in a military kind of way, generally. Right. Um, and he is the humanitarian of the group. And in this situation, it 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 felt like he was acting a little out of character. But the reason why I'm like taking this back is that, you know, well, it's the story kind of set it up that he was acting a little out of character because he was Twitter pated. 
right? Like it didn't diminish his ability to meaningfully and appropriately influence the arc of this particular adventure. Like mm-hmm. it's not like he turned into a blubbering idiot. It's not like he turned into a into a uh, into a liability. Um, it's just that uh, it, it was a little bit different. He was behaving a little bit differently, and the the justifiable reason was that he was taken by or well you know taken in by or whatever what is the word phrase i'm trying to say he really liked Lit- he uh, akira attracted to her very much so yeah um uh to the point of making what appear to be decisions that are a little bit different than what he would uh, would otherwise and i think that under most circumstances when we have a character who is suddenly making different decisions than they would otherwise we typically see the story go that they realize the error of their ways at the end um, they shouldn't have done it in the first place, and they're you know they they've returned back to their quote normal unquote self, and in this case, it's a little bit more along the lines of like he was willing to um, advocate for this person a little bit harder than he probably would have otherwise because he was uh, uh, deeply attracted to her, mm-hmm. and so in that respect, it's not it's not incongruous. It's just different. It's just it, you know it's, that's it. That, that's all. I'm, you know, that's all for I really. Me, uh... Along that line, I, I don't think that that he was, um, you know, sometimes people get attracted to somebody else in stories, and then even if their decisions are, are good or not good, whatever it is, uh, it just, it seems like they're being foolish or naive. And while I think that his attraction to Kira certainly assisted in his willingness to uh, yeah. fight for her... I don't think that was the sole mo- motivation of it, and I don't think that it became, uh, you know, it wasn't like, um, you know, when when Hathor, you know, drugged up all of the guys, and they're all like, right, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, this Agreed. is like, you know, yes, I, okay, yes, I admit I'm attracted to her, and you know, we kissed, but you know, that's between me and her. Uh, but th- she's not the same person, and now I have a unique perspective on that, and. Uh, and we need to give her a chance to be who she uh, who she is now, because that old person doesn't exist anymore. Right. Um, <clears throat> which which was that was a juicy little philosophical thing that they dropped in there, right? The mm-hmm. the concept of if a person, you know, they were they were playing around. They're they, basically they were kind of playing around with fire on this one, but you know, I think that they were doing that on purpose. The the notion of what makes a person a person is it their is it their collection of biology along with um you know along with a history that makes a person a person, or is it is it strictly the collection of history that makes a person a person? So if you are able to reset the history, you are able to reset the person entirely, and um, the reason why I think that that's kind of playing with fire is that there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of slippery slope logic that you can go down on either one of those sides. Right. Um, well, but... and they they dance around that with this episode mm-hmm. here because it's clear that Linnea or that that Kira has uh, she retains in that the that sort of innate uh, understanding of biochemistry. Yeah. Um, you know, she something of an apothecary they call her, uh, but. Kira has that in spades. Um, yes. And that's something that is definitely something that, that's part of Linnea. Um, so where does that come from? And Right. How does and that I think play that into that, things? 
that might have also been a little bit of a piece of the sort of eyebrow furrowing. Um, to make a 40-something minute episode, we're going to write into the story that this that this um, fountain of youth chemical uh, isolates very weirdly specific memories, right? They still have the ability to read and speak. They, they still are able to... Um, uh, part, uh, you know, at least to some degree, they are able to. Well, no, actually, that's kind of a flaw. All right, she was. They were saying that the like industry and agriculture is grinding to a halt. It's it's then um, it's then uh, insinuated that the reason that is grinding to a halt is that people like don't know how to do it. Um, but yet here is an example of this person uh executing on a craft, namely um biochemistry in the form of medicine, uh. You know, but maybe the explanation of that, the retcon on that one is that, you know, she was so dang good at it that even when her memory is like butchered, she, right. she's still able to be like, I know what to do here. And in fact, and I know could, what to do you here. Also, like, you could also uh, retcon or talk about that in, in such that, uh, um, you know, industry um, and, and government is a system, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and anytime you do something to radically change the system, uh, it takes a long time for it to come back to an equilibrium. So even mm-hmm. if everybody's uh, innate knowledge of how to operate machinery and how to plant crops and all of that stuff is still there, just mm-hmm. the mere fact that you have forgotten who you're, what your name is and whether or not you're married to or related to this other person and you see pictures of old people and you look around and you don't see any old people, that right. by itself is a sufficient shock to the system. Yeah, agreed. That yep. even if they had the technical information that was retained, um, there's going to be other problems going on. So, yes. And so you could still have, and you probably do, you still have farmers out there farming because they know innately how to farm. Um, but that doesn't mean that you have, you know, and, 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 you know, drivers of trucks still know how to drive trucks, but that right. doesn't mean that you remember what the system of, of transportation it takes to get from point A to point B to point C to make sure that point D has the food they need. Right. Um, so I, I would, uh, give you that little nugget of of uh retcon or mm-hmm. explanation so and so but and and maybe this is another thing that's kind of a bit of um like a bit of a beef with this episode like we this i think that this is another one of those episodes where i am basically kind of swirling around the idea of that there should have been more time given to it um that uh that the ideas presented in this episode are sufficiently complex and work off of each other sufficiently well that I feel like they kind of had to zip through a little bit of the stuff. Now they did a pretty good job in the zipping through, right? Mm-hmm. I I'm ha- I'm I'm struggling to criticize it because at the end of it I don't feel like something was left unresolved or unanswered in a way that made no sense, but more along the lines of like uh, they have created something that's intriguing and yeah, there are a little bit of elements that don't seem to make a lot of sense, but they aren't, um, they aren't set up in a way that it's like an obviously flagrant problem. They're just kind of set up as oddities and they don't answer the oddities. And so in that respect, I'm still kind of like, well, wait a minute, but what about the oddities? But I'm also recognizing that this wasn't really the story. The story wasn't about the oddities. The story wasn't about, um, 
you know, what happens to a society when they forget things. It was about what makes a person a person, right? Like it's about when we are judging someone, what should we be taking into account? Um, and it, it, in, it, it, what it does is that it puts the question, it takes the question and it strips it down to its most, um, to its barest element. When a person no longer remembers who they are, are they still the same person, right? Um, and so that allows us to start to go a little bit further up. Okay, so so that's that's the barest level. So let's let's go higher. At what point do we believe a person when they say they have understood the error of their ways and they will never do it again? Do we then treat them as a new person or do we judge them based off of what we have previously known? Right. And it gets complex because well, yeah. There's a lot in there. That's a that's you know, a that's a juicy one. As right? you lay out those questions that my my first thought are uh dementia patients yes and those who have various head injuries um in my line of work i have run across several people who have uh j- predominantly in their old age or through um you know strokes and the like uh are not the same person they were known to be before yeah. um but they are um, and how do we navigate that? And, and how yes. do you, you know, th- and I don't have good answers to that. Uh, you know, I look at this person and I still say, hey, that's, that's Tom over there. Um, but Tom also doesn't remember me and he doesn't remember the last time we had a conversation. He barely remembers the conversation that we're having right now because mm-hmm. we're saying it four times in a row. Um, is Tom the same person he was when he was 20? When he was right. 30, I mean, obviously, there's experiences that changes. I'm not the same person as I was when I was 20. Um, right. But at the same time, I am. Um, you know, so what happens in that situation? And what's our responsibility therein? Usually, in that situation, though, in, in, in that reality, we're talking about people who are losing their memory. And in the fact that they're losing their memory, they're also losing their their capability of actually doing things. Yes, right. Which is significantly different, though related, to the question or the, the reality of this episode here, where people have lost their memory, but they mm-hmm. haven't lost their capability. Right. Um, and so that begs the question, then similar to your second part of, you know, if I uh, have done something bad and then I realize, hey, wait a second, that was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. Uh, and I choose to change my ways. Uh, what kind of culpability do I have for what I did before? Uh, and is it right. is exacerbated by the question of what if I now don't remember what I did before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's something of an Occam's razor in that, like, what you know, the 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 question on the table is not should a person be held accountable for previous actions. That's not the that's not the question on the table. Right. The question on the table is from the internal point of view, from the individual who has done wrong, are there aspects of changed behavior which can effectively and truly make that person a new person? Right. Like, and that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a wonderful question to chew on. That's a great question to chew on. Again, it does not address the question of should a person be held accountable for past actions? It's simply a framing that we're using to ask the question, at what point can a person become a new person? 
really. Right. And 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 we choose to use the amnesia story to um to boil it down as uh, to as thick of a of a of a of a substance question as possible, so that we're so that we're not uh, getting spun off into um, correct, but still um, uh, diluting uh, aspects of that thought experiment, right? Right. And and uh, in this episode here, you get a moment of that that I really like when Daniel realizes that Kira has taken the antidote, and that within her. She is now fighting with herself on who is she because she knows Linnea, yes. she remembers Linnea, and she remembers who she's become with Kira. And and then you know when he's like, you don't have to be Linnea, you have, you can be Kira, you can be Kira. This can who be? And she she screams out, I am not her. And in that moment, I'm like, wow, uh, that, yeah. that's a frightening moment right there. Yes, yeah, it was it was well acted, well shot, and well written. Frankly, yeah. um, that was a good moment. Yeah. So it's a fascinating question. Oh, I yeah. kind of interrupted you a little bit. I apologize. Well, uh, no, because I mean, no, that that because that, that ties in pretty well. The only other thing that I was thinking of was that it, the resolution, the end, um, the ending sets up a few things. She can come right back. She can come back as Linnea, um, right? Like they're 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 leaving that the, the storytelling is leaving the door open for the villain to return for sure. And for the villain to return with complexity, right? Because not only is she, can she be the villain, but she can also be the savior at the same time, right? Like, so it, it can get real interesting real quick. Right. But um, that that the solution was, hey, you can just forget about it again and basically restart, more or less, um, felt a little... Speaking of naive, that one felt a little naive. Um, do they think that she's not going to work hard to uh cure her her amnesia um the world around her is going to not suffer from this fate uh and and her innate talents for understanding biochemistry are uh through the roof um she's gonna start working on this problem all over again oh and also they did a good job in the storytelling of showing us glimpses of um I was about to say, they showed us glimpses of morally questionable decision that she was doing. I thought that when she absconded with the um, uh, with the slide, uh, you know, at, from the laboratory, which right. then later was, I guess, sort of the moment where she was able to uh, to take just enough of the compound to start to get her memories back. Um, that moment felt like uh, a a little wonderful glimpse into the notion that this person remains the core person that became Linnea. This is a person who is willing to make a decision uh, independently and for her own benefit because she thinks she's right. And not only that, but uh, throughout the episode, she is um, willing to cut corners and Mm. to fly by due process. Uh, which is something that we noticed with Linnea earlier on uh, yep. in, in the previous episode. I mean, the, these they did a great job, I think, in this episode of subtly telling us that this is who she is, but she's different, yes. but she's the yes. same. Yes, yes. So, yeah. So, so this one was, as I mentioned, I mean, like, as I was watching through the episode, there were moments where I was just kind of like, mm, what's going on here? And then I was invested in the question which is always my favorite thing to do with these types of things. And then I found myself thinking about the question for, for quite a while after watching the episode. Like, 
they did a pretty good job on this one. At least I think. Yeah. Okay. So I have a couple of things yeah. uh, that I that I want to uh, I think end up closing on. Uh, sure. First of all, uh, you know, I I watched this episode uh, for the first time in a long time. You know, I I've mentioned oh, this yeah, before yeah. that that the last several times I've I've watched through these episodes, I've kind of been paying attention to it, but I haven't been like engaged in the screen. I've been focused on it. And You're so right. I, I have, I, I didn't remember this scene uh, from previous viewings. It's near the beginning when they're exiting the storage facility, heading towards wherever Kira is. And you mm-hmm. see uh, Maris and uh, um, what's his name? Uh, not Nodal, uh, Orner. Uh, yeah. arguing like an old married couple, which is which is great. Right. And, and then you yes. just see her uh, just storm off in a different direction on the sidewalk. And I just, I just found that delightful. Uh, yeah. It was just a delightful little moment with, with those two yeah. characters. Um, and, uh, you know, because I hadn't had my eyes glued to the TV the last several times I've seen this, I had missed... Uh, sure, the, right. the visuals of that, and I found that just to be absolutely delightful. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's one. The other one is a problem that I have had with this uh, for a number of years, and on some level, this has uh, reduced my capability of examining this from different perspectives, and that has to do mm. with the ending of this. So mm-hmm. the Vorlix occurs, everybody gets young, which... yes. Um, is not quite how genes work, but okay. Right. It's science right. fiction. I'll run with it. Right. Okay. Yes. So everybody goes down to their, twenty, you know, somewhere between uh, 20 and 30, somewhere in that vicinity. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Now, she takes the Vorlix again. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I have always been disappointed with this, that she doesn't turn to like ten. Yeah, something, something needs to happen. Whether whether it's she turns ten, I'm like, wait a second, what's going on there? Or they they say something about, uh, uh, you know, how this works differently now. Julie's sure. looking at me and rolling her eyes at me because I've had this conversation <laughs> with her, and she thinks I'm just <laughs> dumb. <laughs> no, no, um, I. I yeah, carry on. Now, I, I say this um, because uh, that has been one of my uh, hang-ups on this episode for a long, long time. And uh, I still have it as a problem. Uh, something could have been done uh, to, to make mention of it, um, whatever. And I, I find that a plot hole that, that just bugs me. That said... Uh, mm-hmm. This conversation has been absolutely delightful for me and has uh, helped me to look at this um, in not necessarily a new light, but uh, from a different angle that yeah. helps me to bypass that uh, previous hangup. Yeah, so I can good. see it more. Good. So. Um, I, I agree. I can... Um... You're right. I hadn't really remembered that... Uh, the Vorlix was not only uh, an amnesia problem, but also an anti-aging, or no, a reversal, an age reversal um, solution, quote-unquote. Uh, and in fact, can, it was supposed I, to be the age reversal thing predominantly. The amnesia was just a side effect. 
Correct. Um, the the um, I think I've got one and a half things to to counter that in in a good way. The half one is that I seem to recall kind of a throwaway remark about with Doctor Fraser that she something like it was described as a modified version of it or something like it was a it was a word that was used in a line and they zipped right over the top of it but the point was don't worry here we we just injected you with the forget the the, the forget juice and now you've forgotten again um you know we're completely ignoring the aging thing but the retcon that i can think of is that it was supposed to be a quote fountain of youth unquote so it wasn't so much that it was um an age reducer as much as it was an age stabilizer as in you get to be young forever and uh, as everybody knows, the perfect age to be is like 28. So, uh, <laughs> so, so, so everybody is going to be perpetually 28. So, you know, the retcon on that one is that the, the compound, what it does is that it, it, it puts your cellular age at around 28 years old, the end. Like, that's what you do. You don't youthen. You just stay that age. And so they they, they inject her with the cocktail and her cells go, yeah, 28. Oh, I'm already there. Great. I'll just stay here. And that's that's why that works, Zach. That's why. That's why. That's why she doesn't turn 10. Okay. All right. You like that? Okay. You know, <laughs> um, while I acknowledge that I have thrown out my own certain forms of, of uh, you know, storytelling retcon that have basically done the same thing that you just did here in a different setting. Um and and while I can at once uh, acknowledge and accept and uh, value your retcon as at least <laughs> potentially legitimate, um, potentially and, and, legitimate, and, and while it also uh, does uh, soften the edges of of this hangup. <laughs> I, I'm still the same person. You're not letting Brent. it go, are I'm you? I'm still the same person. <laughs> and thus we have reached the uh, the inevitable uh, conclusion of any of these stories. You are who you are. I, I am what I am, and that's all that I am. In the immortal words of Popeye. There you go. Yeah. So, Brent. Yes. Past and present. And I'm talking about the episode, yeah. not your past and present, by the way. Oh, good. Whew. Yeah. Those would be two different ratings, big guy. <laughs> <laughs> How many chevrons uh, does it get? So I, I, I'm going to go. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with like the, the sort of the totality of the story and the thought that it provoked and the interestingness of the questions that it gave. Um, and I'm going to go higher th uh, than what I was originally thinking when I was starting to watch the show. At the very beginning, it was feeling kind of like a middling show. Interesting, but kind of weird in some spots and a little bit a little bit clumsy in others. And but by the time that it was all said and done, I found myself pondering this question. And I love pondering these questions. I love it so much. And sci-fi gives so many great opportunities to do it when they do it right. So I like the questions that they pose. I like a little bit of the answers that they started to explore. Um, I liked the overall story. I very much like the acting. Um, uh, in in the middle parts with the Daniel Kira thing, it was a little peculiar, but they acted it well. Um, and yeah, like the things that I thought were annoyances or beefs that I had with the story, 
you know, the, the, the things that I felt attracted from the story didn't attract it that much. And the things that I felt were glossed over left me like hungry for more, not necessarily like, um, uh, frustrated. Uh, so I'm going to give this one a six out of seven chevrons, six out of seven chevrons. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I, it was, um, it was good, but it got good because of the questions it was asking. Like it was a lot of fun. But that's um, legitimate. If it had, yeah, if it had misstepped, it would be lower. But you know, like I like a good story. This was a good story. Okay. Um. So I agree with you that that uh, this originally kind of started as a kind of a middling episode. Mm-hmm. Um. And you know, some of my own hangups of this episode. Um. You know, I'm gonna wrestle with this a little bit, but this is going to go higher than I probably mm-hmm. would have gone otherwise. I'm not mm-hmm. going to go to a six. I'm going to go with a five. Sure. Um, I, 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 don't think, I don't think I can justify a six on this one. Um, but uh, I can definitely go for a five. Mm-hmm. And uh, with that, Brent, I don't remember if I've said this on air, but we do have a couple of predictions. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, you know, last time uh, people have been talking about, you know, predicting our episode ratings and whatnot. And we have a couple of folks uh, who have emailed us predictions. And so by all means, as we go into uh, our next episodes, if you want to try to guess what (laughs) Brent or myself will rate these episodes, by all means, uh, come and do it. And if you get it right, we'll, you know, do something cool. I don't know what it is. So yeah, I don't know. I, I haven't actually opened these up yet, so I'm going to do that. Oh, right this is gonna now. be new. This is like this is like the envelope in the Oscars. Yep. Oh my. Okay, so this is Arnacht. Uh okay. Arnacht says, based on my knowledge of Stargate SG1's episode past and present, I predict that Zach will give this episode three Ooh. Chev- three, four chevrons, three or four chevrons, and that Brent will likewise give it four chevrons. Wow. Um, and Interesting. I think, I, I think that uh, four, uh, I, I think, I don't think I would have given this three chevrons, but, uh, well, you know, prior to this conversation, I might have. Prior to this conversation, I might have given it somewhere in the three to four range. So there you go. I'm willing um, to also kind of say that I, uh, it, were it not for the philosophy questions, this would definitely be floundering. Like, it, the reason why I like this is because of the thought uh, experiment that it gave me. Much more than anything else. Sure. But that counts because that's actually what it did. Oh, yeah. And I think, in part, sometimes you get episodes which will give you a a philosophy question accidentally. And they'll stumble upon it. And they're like, oh, oh, yeah, hey, look at that. That was a philosophical question. Uh, Yes. But I think this episode actually does intend to to at least lay that question out there. So Mm -hmm. uh, we also got an email from Jessica. Uh, mm-hmm. And Jessica says this email contains some very minor spoilers. So if Brent hasn't watched it yet, don't read um, because she doesn't want to uh, lead to her term of Chevron encoding bias, <laughs> which I absolutely love, Jessica. Thank oh you very much gosh. for that. We don't Chevron want Chevron encoding, encoding bias. I love that. That's great. She says that she is... Not good at predicting either of our Chevron ratings. Uh, mm-hmm. She's like, what the heck were you doing when you gave Bane seven Chevrons? No, 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 no. I stand by that decision. That is like the Mel Brooks of Stargate so far. 
That thing was just a train wreck start to finish, and as a result, it became a delight. Okay. It and it's and it's it, it's a fractal. You got to see it in the big picture. Okay. Then it's a seven. All it right. Looks like a seven. All right. Shaped like a seven. Uh huh. But for the sake of some fun, she says, I think for past and present, Zach will give it a five. Hey! Ding! She got it right! right well on done, nose. Jessica! And Brent will give it a 4.5. Wow. Oh, I'm never, I am never going to give something a part score um, because that's a pet peeve of mine. But yeah, no, I get, I, I, and again, you know, like it's really. Our little, our little fun little project, Zach. It is indeed. I've said this before. I'm giving it the rating that I give it because it's the rating I give it. Right? It's that circular logic thing. Sure. But like, it. it so much of it has to do with. I mean, it's like why I gave Bane a seven. It was that. It, it was it. It was bonkers enough in just the right way at just the right time for me that I was like, this. This is wonderful. Right. But if I were in a different mood, or if there was something else that happened, you know, blah, blah, blah. so on this particular episode, you know, I'm giving it a six, and again, it's because of that philosophy question. But it's also just because, like, ah, yeah, like it's it. It's a six for me today, and you know, that's that's the that's the way it is, right? and that's so, all you can do because that's how that's life right. works. You give that's it the how, rating today that you would give it. Uh, she right. continues. She says. Uh, she would have given it like a 4.5, which, uh, because why is Daniel over Sharae so quick? And we that, tossed that question out there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I could probably see myself giving this a little bit higher than a five if this actually played out in two or three episodes from now. If there yeah, was more yes. distance between there, um, then that question right there, uh, I could get over. Um, totally. when last episode, he was literally burying his wife and putting a feather on a, uh, scale to send her off to heaven. Um, and you know, I, I work with people who have a spouse who has died and, um, now we don't know exactly how much time has passed between last episode and this episode, but, uh, for us as audience members, it's been a week and nobody yeah, gets over a death like this in a week. Nah. It just doesn't happen. Plus- that scene, that scene between them, like, it was so written by a dude. It was so written by a dude. And, I mean, I, that's my pet peeve. Um, like, it's a, it, for us, the viewer, it's, it's a very short amount of time after he has just lost his wife, who nominally has been his driving force for this whole thing. Asterisk. I can't tell you how many times have I said, boy, it seems peculiar that we seem to forget that that's his driving force behind the whole thing right like you know right. th- 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 that has its own problem in itself in and of itself but then that whole engagement just felt artificial and so i agree that moment right there really could have um uh slammed the story down in my book um if they hadn't risen to the occasion in other aspects yep. and again that 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 tension between these between Daniel Jackson and uh, Kira 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 um, mattered. Yeah, Kira, it, it actually played through the whole story. So in that respect, it wasn't superfluous. But yeah, no, I agree. It that that really that was that was a tough one. Yep. Um, I mean, I actually thought that that the dialogue was fine. You know, I didn't have a problem with that. I didn't have a problem with the relationship at all. The only issue I have is its timing relative to um, Shari's, uh actual death. My yeah, the 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 written by a dude thing. It was because Daniel said no. <laughs> like, she's like, we should kiss. He's like, no. 
And I'm pretty confident that most people, when they hear no, they then say, okay. <laughs> As opposed to, shut up, you're wrong, smooch. You're right, I was wrong, smooch okay. back. Like, Fair enough. You know, no. uh, all right, I'll, I'll, I, I will give you that. Uh, so, Brent. Yes. The next episode of uh, Stargate SG-1 is actually a two-part yes. episode. Okay, so all right. I am going to oh, give yeah, you did, the name did. of the first episode, yeah, and then I want to hear what you have to say, and then I'm going to give you the name of the second episode and see what you do with that, knowing that these are two parters. So the okay, first episode okay, right. is called all right. Jolinar's Memories. What is Jolinar's Memories all about? <sighs> all right, okay, Jolinar's Memories. Um, uh, the SG-1 team travels through the gate to find itself in a strange world. They seem they to do that are... regularly. Well, that's the whole point of the show. Um, they then they they find themselves beside a shimmering pool with a strange property. Every time a person gazes into it, they do not see their own reflection, but they then see the reflection of the thing that they remember. Doctor Carter, no, yes, is she a doctor? No, she is a doctor. Um, Major Carter looks into the pool and does not see her own reflection looking back, but she sees. The face of Jolinar. She's instantly transported back into her own memories where she is discovering what has happened with the Tok'ra at the beginnings and why it's been so stressful and fraught with problems. And she also starts to remember aspects of technology that can help the humans finally defeat the system lords. But wait, there are problems in these memories. What's that? That's an incongruity. That one doesn't make any sense. Wait a minute. That face just melted. Ah, join us now. Next time for Stargate SG-1, Jolinar's Memories. And join us with part two of Jolinar's Memories with yeah, The Devil is, You Know. Two? Oh, The Devil You Know. All right. So after they go to the world with the strange pool that suddenly calls back all these memories, Major Carter, with her newfound knowledge, goes back to the SGC and starts to impart this technological wonders with the whole crew. As they are beginning to construct these super weapons of great power, they are visited by um, Sam's dad, whose name, J- Jacob, but I can't remember the other guy's name. Um, Selnak. Uh, you know, the, the Selnak. <coughs> Excuse me. They are visited by Selnak. Who comes in and says, you are, you're not ready for this technology yet. You guys are just babies in the universe. And, and, and Sam says, you don't know me, dad. And so they start to go through, uh, the, 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 the wormhole to go, uh, uh, to, uh, someplace where there's a system Lord, whatever. They're going to go fight the system Lords face on. Yay. We're totally going to win. And they get there and they discover that the weaponry that they have invented actually is, uh, like, um, a genocidal uh, weapon. It's like a it's like a nuclear bomb, only worse, like way worse somehow. And they have to struggle with between do they work with the devil that they know in the form of mass destruction, or do they listen to Solnak and retreat back to the gate for I don't know. I'm running out of steam. Join <laughs> us next time for Stargate SG One, Jolinar's memories, and the devil you know. Fabulous. How how did fabulous. You? I, yeah? I, I, I love it. And I am going Did to respond it? to that, uh, as I usually do, by saying, let's watch what David has for us. Yes. Yes, let's do that. All right. Are you ready? I am ready. And here we go. Now. Okay. 
Next time on Stargate SG-1. I'm afraid he's been captured by Sokar. Oh my god. If Salmak is still alive, he has been sent to hell. So we're talking about a rescue mission. No one has ever escaped from it. No one except for Jean. A daring rescue mission sends the team to the depths of hell. But a revolution in hell threatens everything they have fought for. Kneel before Nanak. And when the devil demands his due, the fate of the galaxy lies in the balance. I will take my ship and cleanse the underworld so that its fires may be reborn. Soon the entire realm of the gold hold It's all next time on Stargate SG-1. I have just hit start again. Okay. N none of my reaction got captured on audio. <laughs> <laughs> but my gosh. Okay. So the things that I was noticing, this is super cool. Wow. What a great story. Joel is the only one who knows how to, what Selmak's in trouble. And then there's like the, the visual, like. It, that is visually rich. <laughs> I'm looking yeah. forward to watching this one. This looks great. Yep. So we will find out next time what happens with Jolinar's memories and the devil you know. Yeah, uh, I'm excited. We also give a special thanks to David for putting together these promos. These are awesome. Yes. So um, good. Thank you so and much. And we will have the promo for uh, these two episodes up uh, well, it'll go up on our YouTube channel uh, sometime tomorrow evening, uh, and then if I remember sometime early to mid next week, I will get it onto our Facebook page. Yeah, uh, nice. Load that up there. Uh, yep. And uh, Brent, you are certainly welcome to put that onto uh, Twitter if you wish. Oh, I keep forgetting to do that. Okay, let me write a note. Okay. Well, as Brent is writing a note... Uh, I do ask you all to tell us what you thought about past and present. Uh, by all means, tell us what you think. We will rate Jolinar's memories and the devil you know. See if you get it yeah. right. Uh, yeah. You could be like Jess and, and hit my score right on. Uh, and right on. Miss Brent. But, uh, you know, whatever it is, let us know. Uh, we'll celebrate those with you. Uh, you can... Uh, email us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Stargate Walking or find us on Facebook, Walking Through the Stargate, uh, both the Facebook page and the Facebook group. There's a lot of fun conversation that is beginning to uh, develop and grow uh, there. Yeah. So that is Super pretty cool. awesome. Uh, with that, I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this has been Walking Through the Stargate. See you next time. Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home.